Fit and Theater of the Words presents The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future. Episode 8, The Persistent Inspector, Manfred Glass. Give me just two minutes, will you? All right, two minutes. Nothing more. How gracious you are, Inspector, barked Wilson. Don't bother me, Wilson. I've had a rough day. Is everything all right, Terence? asked Maria as she walked across the carpet. No, he said as he walked over to the computer terminal and pulled a card from the drawer. I've got this for tomorrow. Oh, the surprise? The mountain reserves in T-29. It overlooks the entire valley. The mountain reserves? exclaimed Maria as he handed her the card. I'm actually going inside a reserve? I don't believe it. Yeah, well, you just sit out here and wait until I'm through with Inspector Glass. He still is questioning you about that murder. He won't let up. Keeps pressuring and threatening to bring me back to the moon. Really? What kind of people do you have up here? No, he's from Earth City. What did you say to get him so upset? Ah, the truth, of course. I uh, went upstairs to have a conference with one of the Luna Aggregate Vice Presidents before the cargo ship left the hangar. And he doesn't believe you? She asked as the inspector came back on the screen. Are you ready? Wilson motioned her to the hallway. Shouldn't be long. She nodded and Wilson closed the doors as she left. But she could hear Glass continuing his assault inside on Wilson. Annie Wilson walked out of the sleeping room at the end of the hallway. Her head hung down as she came up to Maria. Oh, Maria, you startled me. I thought you were still inside. Is he still talking to this lunar guy on the moon? Yes, they called back, answered Maria. Terrence told me yesterday that your husband's grandfather is ill. Oh, it's so sad, so sad, she said, gazing down at the floor once again. Would you mind if I went in and visited while I wait for Terrence? Oh, no, if it wouldn't be a burden with it. I don't mind, really, I don't. Maybe you can get some response from him. He isn't talking that much these days, she said as she led Maria down the hallway. Opening the sliding door, she manually brought Maria inside. Antone, someone is here to see you tonight. The room was indirectly lighted by long white boxes along the baseboards, and the drapes between the room were drawn across the windows on the wall to the boulevard. The old man, propped up on several pillows, sat on a wide bed to the right of the windows. What was left of his white thinning hair almost stood on end, and the sheets were pulled right up to his chin. His green eyes were placid and fixated to some faraway place, away from the confines of the dimly lit room. Thank you, Maria, said Annie Wilson as she shut the doors. Maria watched her leave and turned to the old man. She walked quietly over to the side of the bed near the drapes. Mr. Wilson, how are you doing tonight? She asked, but the man did not flinch. His eyes occasionally blinked as he looked into space. Maria thought it was wise to speak, nevertheless. I'm feeling well. It's rather chilly outside. should reach zero. That's cold, even for the sixth month but she could not elicit even the slightest response from the old man. A barrier, not physical, had been constructed to shield out everything that did not suit his needs. All of his facilities seemed to be there, like the knowledge of books on a shelf. 
But like that knowledge, it lurked behind the shelf, refusing to come out. Terence and I are going to the reserve tomorrow, she said once more, hoping for a reply. I've never been to the reserve, she continued, pausing again. She stood on the side of the bed, frustrated by her efforts to rouse the old man. She pulled back the drapes. The boulevard light streamed against the wall. It was more crowded down on the boulevard now, people walking in both directions. People are so lucky here, she whispered to herself. The old man blinked several times, and the lines on his face deepened. Not looking directly at her, he spoke in a raspy, worn voice. Do you really know what you're saying, or do you just only say what you know? Maria's head jutted to the right. Is that a riddle? Riddles are riddles only when you don't have a facts. Maria wandered over the bed and tried to understand whether the old man had some keen insight or just confused. Maybe, she thought, he just liked to plague people with riddles. I don't understand, Mr. Wilson, she said as she sat on the edge of the bed. My name is Anton Bartholomew Peter Wilson, the Christian name given to my father and mother 140 years ago. Terence is your grandson. Great grandson. You mentioned Christian. I didn't know there were such people left. There were only eternalists. And I still don't understand your riddle. Slowly, the old man's arms slid under the sheets and he pulled them down to his chest and he reached for her hand, holding it firmly. I am from the past. 100. 40 years in this body, but many hundreds in the mind. I know of other places and other times. You only know of this time and of this world as it exists today. The past is just a murky fog which you cannot see through, nor you dare to see through. To look into the past is not the most expedient anyone who exists today. You say they are lucky down there. I say they're not. They are most unfortunate. Most unfortunate. He said as he swallowed. They see what they have and what is given to them, never contemplating tomorrow while they incinerate the past. I don't know what you mean. People have to survive, she retorted. You are blind, very blind, like those before you. The billions and trillions who have lived and died with such beliefs, passing them on to their children. He said as he grew fatigued and paused for a short time. It's never too late. But they don't realize that, never. But what is the point you are making, Anton? He seemed to become angry with her, and his inner thoughts exploded with a nuclear intensity. He moved himself higher up in the bed and talked very loudly, drawing out every word. Blind fools, quadrillions devouring each other in their own spaces, of years gone by, of men and women and little children in the suburban dreams. He said with great propensity, as if his eyes were actually seeing what he was speaking, moving where they and roaming the land on the wheels. What are suburban dreams, she asked. Oh, I think you know. The computers will not say. 
he shouted, his eyes glowing. The golden age of asphalt, superhighways, and roads, and metal coaches in tow, and miles and miles to go. Free spaces and sunny rides in the fall. Miles? And when it was cold, it was 32 degrees to freeze, and they slid it on the hills, and they bladed on the ponds, he said as his eyes filled with tears. Freezing. Freezing is zero degrees, she said as she tried to reason with him. Zero degrees centigrade, 32 Fahrenheit. Fearing hot? Fahrenheit. The homes and yards wide open for all to see the private property domain. I, I, I don't understand, she said with misty eyes. I speak the truth and you think I'm mad. No, I agree with you. I just didn't have that extra knowledge, she said as she squeezed his hand and he pulled it away. Go! Go back to those who fail to see. No, I see, I see, she said as she backed away from the bed, facing the old man as she scuffled toward the door. Terence had finished with Inspector Glass and opened the door to the sleeping room. I heard voices. Is he at it again? No, no, it's all right, said Maria. Goodbye, Antone, she called, and the old man pulled the sheets back to his chin and his face went blank as he passed into his self-imposed world. Terence shut the doors and they headed for the hallway. He's crazy, you know. He'll scare you half to death if you listen to him. What he was saying about Miles and fearing the hot. Forget about him, will you? Just think about all the fun we're going to have. Did you like the reserve passes? He asked as they came to the top of the stairs. Oh, yes, Terence. I can hardly believe it. Are you hungry? Yes, I am. Uh, has your mother prepared anything downstairs? Mother, prepare something? That's a laugh. We're going out, Maria. Out? Out for some food, then to a double-level apartment which I procured for the night. But I thought we were staying here tonight. Look, I went to the trouble of arranging all this, and I'm under a lot of pressure here, he said as he grabbed her by the arm. Don't be troublesome. You're going with me, he shouted as he pulled her toward the stairs. She yanked her arm back. Don't ever grab me like that again. The old man had her all wound up. I'm about a half a second away from leaving this nonsense. What did I do? Let's go. Once she was on the boulevard, she realized that the old man had given her a history that mirrored how she felt about the reprehensibles being herded into modules like animals. Join us next week for another exciting episode of The Reprehensible, The Fight for Earth's Future by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theatre of the Words.